RMN Behaving Badly, an atopical and atypical podcast about mental health nursing in the UK. Your hosts are Stuart McKenzie and me, Ed Freshwater. Welcome to the show. Uh, before we start, this episode is brought to you regrettably late, which is all because of circumstances beyond our control. None of which, well, very few of which, were related to COVID-19 or Brexit. Not even the Conservatives were to blame, but we still reject them and everything they stand for. Stuart, you big rude boy, how are you? I'm, I'm continuing to, to, to just potter on. Yes, uh, yeah, the yeah, Conservatives are still in power. We've only been away for, you know, what, six, eight, nine months. I don't know how long it is. It seems like a long time ago. Although I was looking back and do you know that it's actually two years since we recorded our first episode? It is indeed. It was the 19th of December, wasn't it? It was the yeah, day so after uh, the election. The election, yeah. Like, oh, so God. Before Back in the heady fu- days when we when we thought, oh, how long is this going to last? And we're two years into it. Two years in. And, 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 and we were on the eve, quite literally, of the International Year of the Nurse. <laughs> that, went, <laughs> that went well. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Uh, for those that might be new to the show, we have to uh, sort of broach the subject of us laughing at the state of healthcare, nursing and mental health. This is gallows humour that we've got. This is us laughing because nobody, but nobody wants to listen to a podcast of two mo- grown men weeping. So <laughs> we do all the weeping off mic. <laughs> no, that was what our uh, pre-show warm-up was this evening. We just got together. We had a good cry. <laughs> Digital tissues. So... Uh, yeah, that, that year in well, the There's an uncomfortable when... phrase. <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends what you're wiping with it. So That might be our first edit of the night. Yeah. <laughs> you said to me, please make the edit easy. <laughs> Just bring it to do coherent sentences, Stuart. It's been a long time since we've done one of these. Let's Absolutely. Ease I'll ourselves in. It. I'll try not to be too Glaswegian. So, yes, the news, that, well, I have a Frankenstein cat because it needed a lump cut out, but the vet then took that, that they could cut out three bits of him. So, yeah, he's not too happy. Was it uh, their compassion, empathy and liver? No, I think it was probably maximising the insurance claim, if you ask right. me. <laughs> but but what, I, what I want to know, and given everything that you've been through in the last year, Stuart, I want to know, what have they put back into the cat? I dare say there's probably a, a listening device or two. I'm pretty sure there is a listening device in the cat, but to be fair, his purr is so loud, they'll hear nothing. <laughs> um, my, my feline exploits aside, um, I, I, I ask this question with trepidation. How are you? Next question. <laughs> I, I think I, I can probably... Um, put myself fairly close to the front of contender of shittest year of the year, uh, probably of the century. So, uh, yeah, if anybody has uh, feels they've had a crap time, I will see that and I'll raise it. Uh, yes. I think, important, I think you've got a full house, haven't you, really? Well, no, I don't, which is part of the problem. Oh, you don't turn that back on me. <laughs> Just don't. <laughs> I can have some humour at the moment. I'm just going to okay, make you're you feel humor. bad. You That's can, fine. You, you own your humour. Okay. Yes, I will. <laughs> That's fine. So it's it's in very poor taste, but um, it's what he would have wanted. Yes. Well. Um, yes. I've heard this singing voice. So. Yeah. Uh, you know. I think we. Um, I think we would all hear and all the the people who listened to the pod and knew the the, the story of that 
remarkable, amazing, bright, shining light that was Kip that uh, every single person would understand why it's taken us a bit of time to get back to where we're at. So, uh, smelly pants, we, uh, I think the, the wee man would be, you know, it would mm-hmm. probably be about this time that he would probably wander in and go, Daddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I'm conscious of that as well. So, yeah, I think it wouldn't be right to kick off the first pod without recognising what you and your family have been through. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's remarkable that you want to come back and sit and talk to me for 45 minutes. <laughs> well, it's 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 got me through some dark times chatting with you. So, um, yeah, who knows? You'd think I was a mental health nurse, wouldn't you? Yeah, one would think, but it turns out you're so much more, Stuart. So much more. Oh. And and uh, by the same token, so much less. <laughs> It's <laughs> with one hand and takes away with the other. <laughs> yes, <laughs> something like that. I uh, will. Yeah, so, it's it has been at least what six months since we last did an episode. Yeah, it, it was. I was looking back. Maybe it was June, was it? It, it was. It was. It was just before the summer holidays, wasn't it? It was May June time. Mm-hmm. Um, Boris Johnson was making a bit of bit of a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a pig's ear of uh, the the pandemic then and we were sort of coming out of it so we thought um there was the talk of nurses pay and and all that that was going to that was going to entail uh brexit wasn't really going to have affected as much that we were going to recover from all that and you know it's interesting that six seven month break and then you sit here and you go who would have guessed that he could have been wrong about so much i think Anybody with an IQ over six could probably have guessed that he was going yeah. to be so wrong about so much. I mean, we've had some pretty colossally awful months in terms of behavior of government, behavior of ministers, behavior of the prime minister, not least. The effects of their action and inaction uh on society and indeed the people that we care about the most vulnerable people in society inequality has increased absolutely injustice has increased poverty has increased child poverty child poverty has is 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 at an alarming level food poverty and an alarming level Mm -hmm. as well food banks running dry pretty much the day Mm -hmm. they're filled up and uh and here we are recording this nine days before christmas Mm -hmm. and (laughs) People are literally starving in the what fifth richest country in the world, and and then he wonders why when he says in an announcement today that he will not be locking down Britain, everyone then immediately panics that we're locking down Britain. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, and I, I'm going to say this with um, sort of a level of journalistic indemnity. That's what happens when you have a career of being a complete liar. Yeah. And assuming that the people you're speaking to are thick. Yeah. I think it's symptomatic of, of the entire political system because we've, we've you know, this time, I can't, I can't quite remember the, the timelines for it, but obviously we had the the walking out of Downing Street with the box by by the man. Mm-hmm. Um, after Dominic. He, Dominic Cummings, after last Christmas, he had driven against all regulation. Mm-hmm. Um Apparently, because, you know, he didn't have childcare. And that aside, and then we had, for the first time ever, a government aide standing in the garden holding a press conference, which was just odd. And fast forward you know, almost a year, and we've got 
another Prime Minister's advisor standing outside their house trying to justify why they had a party. Or didn't. Or had a completely compliant party that was not a party. It was a work gathering with a buffet. The interesting thing for me is the mental health of... so let's use nursing as, as that, because um, we're here to discuss the things that surround that. Mm-hmm. Nurses all over the UK are, are, are in, in all disciplines and in all specialist groups, cancelling Christmas nights out, cancelling lunches, cancelling um, catch-ups with friends, hoping that it would have been a better Christmas period. Last year, they went bothering their backside. We've now, you know, by the best will in the world, we're not kicking the backside off for two years of this thing. Yeah. And this one party, this can't be, this can't even be anywhere near what's really going on back there and what really went on. No. This is what they want. uh, This is what they want you to. So, talking about inequalities. You know, oh. it's almost like if you can get into the inner sanctum that you have this, you you you, you abide by the same rules as the people who are elected. Yeah, you, you are beyond and above. I mean, obviously, one big thing since our last recording is we have a different minister for health for at the UK Parliament level, mm-hmm. rendering which is your- which is really annoying because, and I'm just going to interject very briefly on this. We had a fantastic jingle. Well, I was going to say it renders that jingle. Completely useless. redundant. Hancock I, or Hunt. It was it was a great to to the to the tune was, of blankety blank. It was wonderful. I think it was about to do something big that. Yeah. And let's face it, Matt Matt wasn't really that that wasn't uh, uh that wasn't coincidence that that story was leaked to. Well <clears throat> No, I think probably someone in Downing Street comms found out about the uh, about the jingle, and they were like, "Do you know what we need? We need a honey trap for old Hancock." Maybe that, or they found out that he was swapping pizzas for PPE. <clears throat> do we know anybody that might have recommended any kind of company to do Does that? Find that. Sure. I think the Good Law Society had Good Law Project. Yeah, Good Law Project. Yeah, Julian yeah. Mom. Yeah, they released a, a very eye-opening um, list of people who had recommended businesses. Strange what a freedom of information request and subject access request can get, yeah. And yet, shocking in a organisation that prides itself on transparency that such information is kept hidden. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, but, but hidden in plain sight almost, eh? Mm-hmm. And uh, for those in the know, you know. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> yeah, moving swiftly on. So we had, uh, we'd actually had some plans of what we were going to be doing over the last uh, six, seven months with podcasts. We actually, well, I don't know if I ever showed you it, Stuart, but I had a, I had a list of episodes that I thought, ah, oh, this is what we're going to do. This is going to be our narrative for the... For the... Just go where you tell me, Ed. Yeah, I know. Point <laughs> like, Stuart. Tell me, tell me, tell me what you think about uh, uh, about subject A, would you? And that's a good twenty minute section there. <laughs> Somebody walked up to me the other day and said, uh, I, "I think you left Stuart running the other day. <laughs> Just forgot to switch him off." Uh, but uh, but we, we did actually have we did actually have some plans of stuff that we were going to talk about, and then of course 
stuff happened, unfortunate events happened, and uh, things went rapidly downhill. And here we are regrouping. It's the end of the year. It's our two-year anniversary. And uh, probably time that we start to break out this list of, of where we might want to go. Some of the it issues. Makes it sounds because... like that we're actually more organized than the Labour Party. Don't tell people that we're not organized, okay? <laughs> it's a facade. The whole point of the, of the facade is you don't see behind it. So it's like oh, the curtain, you know, do not like look at the beards. Like do the not look beards. at the man behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, just sort of regrouping what this what the entire point of this podcast is is about is there is this huge intersection of politics and mental health nursing because I don't believe it's possible to be a mental health nurse and not be really motivated to act in a political manner um it's not like we work in uh you know hematology or or renal ward or something where you're dealing with a very sort of medical and very internal issue we're dealing with issues that are primarily external and 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 have their you know their antecedents and their etiology in the community wow that was a long sentence um but we really want to start to refocus again on what's going on in the political sphere, but what how that is affecting our profession of mental health nursing, but also the people that we care for. Mm-hmm. And they are some of the most marginalized people in the in the entire world. You know, people that that live with severe mental illnesses uh, are, are just not on the radar despite lip service that is that is paid uh, on you know every now and again something bad happens and you'll have a a, a bit of hand wringing from a tory on downing street but we want to start advocating for people again we want to start getting a bit louder we, in the but, direction of, of, the, of, of that narrative you know yeah it, it's not it, we go back to that 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 document we've quoted so many times, the Marmot Review. Mm-hmm. And that's not going away. You know, the issues identified in there, I mean, that, that's not going away. Child child poverty isn't going away. Um, mm-hmm. the, the I mean, let's just look at drug deaths, for example, and, and the surge of drug deaths. I mean, Scotland, you know, has one of the worst instances of drug-associated death in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, there are parts of Scotland where you know services are working flat out to try to engage and to reach people, but when we go back to Marmot and that that um, refresh that Marmot did in 2019-2020 when he when he talks about deaths which aren't actually intended to be suicides, but people are so ambivalent about their hopes and about their ability to, to move out of where they are, that we end up with this category of deaths, which are, are the consequence of people's almost ambivalence about whether or not they live or die. And I, I think that, that, that in the stark circumstances we're now faced, where you know, it, there's no doubt in my mind that the impact of, of, of COVID has pushed those people out in the margins even further out. I mean, <laughs> homelessness, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, you can't get a GP at the best of times when you're homeless. You can't get access to primary care health services. Good luck getting that when you can't actually access a GP because the GPs are saturated 
in trying to manage a pandemic because we're grossly short in general practitioners, we're grossly short in all associated community health, you know, points of access. So it's no wonder that we're seeing things like, um, you know, food poverty. You know, I mean, like five, six, seven years ago, we were all hearing the issue of fuel poverty for the first time, like really understanding what that meant. And everybody thinking it was just pensioners who were, who were, you know, and I'm not saying for one second it's right that pensioners are freezing at home, but remember, we, we knew that. We knew that there was an issue with the pensions. We knew there was an issue with older people being able to keep themselves and they were vulnerable. But I don't think people were ready to recognise that, you know, that individuals living in like modern type housing couldn't actually afford to heat. It was a choice between eating and heating. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, it doesn't matter whether it was the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, or tenth richest economy in the world. But when we continue to prioritise expenditure in a way which doesn't doesn't improve access, which doesn't improve um, availability of service, and it certainly doesn't bridge the gaps. I mean, there's, when you look through, uh, you know, if you, if you ever want to bore yourself to tears and you actually want to read through the five or six flag packet pages, which is the, the, the current Tory party policy around health and inequalities, um, it's scant to say the least. And that tells you all you need to know. If you, and if you and, and actually if you go on and you and you have a look at their their business strategy and their, their economic and, and infrastructure strategy which hs2 it performs a really pivotal part of because you know people in birmingham want to get to london 11 minutes quicker 12 minutes 12 minutes, 12 minutes and it's worth it's worth every penny of the 52 billion and, and you you look at that and you then understand that that actually has more weight within their structured program of activity than challenging inequalities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all you need. There it is right there. And people people vote for that. And I suppose what I want us to do is, is to draw a shiny little light on some of that. Because obviously the people listening to this are highly unlikely that they were voting Tory in the first place. Uh, and and if if you are listening to this show and you do vote Tory, go away. We don't want you. We don't want you kind sullying our listenership and skewing our demographics. You know, it's hard when you're shouting out into that echo chamber, isn't it? But no, really well said, Ed, about you know where we want to get back to. Um, but being mindful of, of lived experience, you know, and, and you know, drawing on um, some of those dark places that, that, you know, the world's changed, but I think we're changing as well. We've changed, eh? Mm-hmm. You know, you and your family, you know, me, you know living, living through a global pandemic with a child with ADHD <laughs> stuck in the house. Yeah. <laughs> It it does take the phrase climbing the walls to, to whole new heights, doesn't it? I was it? sitting watching Sonic the Hedgehog with her the other night thinking, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> I could have just put a camera on in this house at one point. <laughs> Stuck a pair of red trainers on you in a blue wig. <laughs> uh, uh, absolutely. But uh, in the spirit of wanting to sort of focus our efforts, so... Uh, uh, a few days ago, last week, we put out a tweet to our wonderful listeners, our wonderful followers uh, on Twitter at RMNBB Podcast, um, which you should all be following. Just to ask ahead of recording this episode, which area of mental health care and treatment, in your opinion, has been failed by the government, either Westminster or devolved parliament, during the handling of COVID 19? The four below 
were ones that we could fit. So add more in the comments. Uh, the ones that we put in the poll were inpatient mental health, child and adolescent mental health services, uh, community services, and addictions. It was a kind of even split, I think. Uh, but but the winner with uh, with thirty eight point five percent of the vote uh, was community mental health. And, you know, that's that's a field that I've worked in since since I qualified. It, it's something that's very dear to my heart. And I think as we talk about issues about inequality and, and issues about the impact of austerity and the impact of government policy um, and and the impact of, of COVID, I think probably the community is is in in my view, the community is is the thing that has been hit the hardest, has suffered the most and has had to deal with more than it was ever designed to deal with we we got some amazing comments to that yeah, thread really that, that really was wonderful really rich i was surprised there were that many people still actually looking forward what we were saying so from from, from that point of view uh, i was i was kind of really blown away um but some really rich detail and some and some very honest appraisal mm-hmm. i guess yeah, the issue but, is is what do we say that hasn't already been said? And yeah. what do we do with this? What, what, do, we, what do we do with this? Because, <laughs> because I, I guess if, if we just pull back for a second and, and look at this, what we've got is a group of professionals and a group of service users who respond to, our, respond to that tweet. You know, because we've got, yeah, yeah. we've got a good mix. We've got a, 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 a mix of people who are mental health nurses, uh, people who are nurses in other fields, uh, people that are dual qualified and have, have got decades of experience mm-hmm. of, of working in, you know, the, the landscape of mental health nursing has changed somewhat <laughs> in the last 20, 30, even 40 years, yeah. going back to when, when some of our, our listeners were, were beginning to work in the field, you know. Um, but a pull back from that and, and looking at the experience of newly registered nurses, students, and vastly experienced colleagues, but also the experience, uh, the lived experience of, of people who've survived with severe mental illness. Um, and of course, the intersection of those. There are wonderful nurses out there who have lived experience of some very severe illnesses and some some things that have put limitations on their practice. When we've got that group of people given the feedback that they did and regretting the sort of parlous state of society as a whole, but also mental health services and mental health nursing as a profession. Good God, what are we supposed to do with that? For me, I was reading back through some of the comment sections tonight um, earlier on before I uh, before we were coming on, <sighs> and it's it's almost perverse to ask people to choose, isn't it? Mm-hmm. There's a there's there's a, and I wouldn't say an, there's a naivety in thinking that any one area has been hit harder than another. I think it's, it's true to say that mental health, and I think fair to say as well, intellectual disability services. Um, you know, which was never heavily funded in the first place, mm-hmm. um, really did not uh, fare well. Uh, we we pushed 
we, when you read through the push of wellness and well-being into primary care and then obviously people not being able to access GPs for very obvious reasons, you can't have people coming in and out of GP practices when you've got you know such a contagious mm-hmm. disease um, with the infection, I mean, the, the new variation as well. But I think what it, what it showed to me was it's actually UK-wide mm-hmm. inequalities and in, in how the four UK governments, um, or the, the, the three governments of the devolved countries and then the Westminster government, um, attribute their funding and attribute their priorities. So reading through comments around CAMS, where colleagues in England and Wales in particular are saying CAMS definitely, but colleagues in Scotland are saying, well, actually, it's a major priority for the Scottish government. And there's been like 120-odd million put into recovery and renewal plans, and CAMS have been invested heavily. And the big challenge isn't around the money. The challenge is around the recruitment and being able to move the system quick enough mm-hmm. at pace to, to, to meet need. Two very different challenges. You know, two very different challenges mm-hmm. meeting the need of individuals, um, meeting the needs of families because you don't work in camps and just work with kids. You work with families. No. You work, you know, um, you you're trying to do that without the resource, without it being commissioned in England and Wales. Whereas in Scotland, the Scottish government have been very clear, you know, very transparent. There's the money. Um, take it. Tell us, just you know, focus on that. Here's some of the, the agendas around crisis intervention or liaison. Um, it's been left to territorial boards to work out what best fits for their communities as long as it's within that framework. And when you read through that and then you look at how it's been split up across commissioning boards in England and Wales, it's like mental health was never going to do well when 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 the priority was 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 COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and and not actually being having enough of a vision to see it wasn't about seeing beyond COVID. It was about recognizing what we were living with now and reflecting that that wasn't going to get any easier within that generational shift. Mm-hmm. Um, so CAMS, I have to say, looking at the inequality there, absolutely. You know, CAMS per head of population and just my rough estimations, it would look like the Scottish government have invested about 10 times more per head of population in Scotland around the camps. Um, but in saying that, the Scottish government put over £140 million into the recovery and renewal plan, which doesn't sound like a lot of money, but actually when you think about, and I'm certainly not sitting here advocating for any political party, I'm just saying the facts as they're presented it. When the recovery and renewal plans came through and mental health was given priority, um, kind of it, it, second and third phase um, it was clear that there were going to be big asks on on people to, to evolve those services the challenge isn't evolving them the challenge, is, challenge will be recruiting to them lots of nurses are retiring particularly in mental health so people listening to this will know lots of those people you don't replace nurses with 30 and 40 years experience overnight no um, but then again, reading some of the comments around addiction services and mm-hmm. just the preposterous lack of investment. What did they think was going to happen when people were locked in their homes for six months? <laughs> it's it, it's such a bizarre thing, you know, when, where I was working and, and as soon as the pandemic started, you know, because of domestic reasons, I, I was working from home. Uh, you know, I was, I was doing everything that I could remote working, but, you know, still connecting with my team. Uh, down the road, so, you know, several miles away. 
and pandemic comes along lockdown happens and a community team where people were doing you know a dozen home visits in a day yeah. all of a sudden can't go into anybody's home and and it's like it's not it kind of it it, it reduced the ability of mental health nurses working in the community as far as i could see it reduced what they were able to do to basically stick into meds through a letterbox and not talking to anybody and if that's something that's you know without face-to-face contact yeah. without that connection but also without that, you know, we, we were doing consultations over Zoom, over Teams, over, you know, even trying to do WhatsApp and then getting secure things so that you could have a, a, a video call with somebody. But all of those little cues that we pick up on as, as nurses when we're interacting with somebody, is their foot twitching? You know, are, are they nervous right now? Are they are they hiding something? What's going on behind them? What's the state of the sofa that they're sitting on? Is there dishes in the sink? Have they been eating? Is the food in the fridge? Yeah. Does the house smell okay? Do they smell okay? How well kept are they? Yeah. And all of that, taking all of that, which is really basic intuitive stuff that we do as a profession, all of that taken away from us. The thing that, the thing that really bowls me over is that people still survived that. Gotcha. You know? And and how is it that, that people were able to get through that? And I'm I'm not talking about weren't our nurses wonderful getting through that. I'm talking about wasn't everybody blooming amazing getting through that. I think carers, you know, the, the big thing as well was the um our favorite word resiliency ad. Mm-hmm. Um, Love uh, a bit of resilience. Get yourself into a wobble room until you feel uh, <laughs> yeah strong feel enough. Resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, we recognise it's emotionally draining away and have a wobble. So, for but but when you're a carer, you 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 don't even have a wobble room. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think from a carer's point of view, what 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 really made me think. Uh, stop and think was just the the debt that we owe people who are informal carers mm-hmm. because they became our lifeline again even more so anybody who's worked in mental health knows if you if you're blessed to have you're working with someone who has someone close to them or someone yeah. that you can work with who you can almost use as the conduit to to get that therapeutic milieu that dynamic built up mm-hmm. and that trust if you're lucky enough to have those people in your life. Yeah. Uh, and that point of reference life. as well. Yeah. And that, that point of security in. as well. Just yeah. knowing that, you know, that patient's risk would be, you know, to, to be completely reductive and use our, our you know, rag risk, rag risk rating systems are useful. Yeah. As a visual indicator, they mm-hmm. have their place. Um, after many years of working in forensic services, you know, there are, you know, there's a plethora of risk assessments, but RAG systems are really good in situations like we're going into a global pandemic. We need something that's universally understandable and that we've got a modicum of objectivity around whether something's red for really bad and green 
you know, there's something there, but it's manageable in Amber. Hmm, we need to have a think. And for, for, for many patients, it can be as much as being red if there's no one in their life, mm-hmm. to green if there's a brother or a mum or a friend or a, a partner. And, and when you've got a team who literally, and, and you know, as, as mental health nurses across the UK were doing in the preparation for that first lockdown, going, we need to risk assess patients, we need to recognise who we got to see because we ain't going to be going in it. That's really tough, eh? Yeah, and 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 we we the unintended consequence was pushing that burden onto informal carers, kids, family members. I I still don't believe we're going to see the real impact of this for for you know years to come. Ed, we are nowhere near seeing, especially in our kids, our children, and our young people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think we're 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 we're, we're there yet and all of those services that we ask the questions about inpatient services addiction services crisis services children and young people can will go on to use these services cams yeah. is, is just part of a journey um and and for me you know obviously that's where my passion li- lies i really I, I, you've I got a visitor it. there i do this is the cat that didn't have the operation who's become a bit of a Mm-hmm. sulky boy this is this this is something that doesn't work in the audio format it but, but it right mid-sentence but you should have said that before i put on my tuxedo for this first time. <laughs> um what the listeners it, don't know is i'm doing this entire episode in the nude <laughs> and what a specimen he is so um the, i think that's the thing for me about reflecting back on on where some of the strengths lay but mm-hmm. by recognising where those strengths are, you identify potential future weaknesses because there is no way we can ask that again of informal carers. No. There is no way that we can ask that again of, of nursing staff um, to, you know, that whole, remember we, another episode we've done about the war metaphors, you mm-hmm. know, we're all in, in this together and we're in the breach and, you know, we will fight COVID in the beaches and all that nonsense. Yeah. Um, people need to, we 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 we're going into this next iteration with less in the tank. Everybody, patients, mm-hmm. carers, staff, everybody's got less in the tank. And then add in those health inequalities that we discussed. You know, nobody's living with an addiction issue and are particularly you know are, are happy about it. You know, so you know that whole dual diagnosis, that whole symbiosis of mental health and anxiety and well-being yeah. and addiction. Um, it's not as clear cut as that little poll makes out. It is such a reductive way of doing it. But what it did was it lifted my heart that there were people who have got an opinion and want to fight for their services. Yeah. You know, it's not about it's... pitching service against service. Every bit, no. every bit and... is utterly codependent, isn't it? And it, and it's not like we've got this list and this this one was was it got most votes. No. As as the one that was most struggling, that's not to say by any stretch of the imagination that the others weren't significantly struggling as well. It's 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 really tough. There was um, there was a comment piece that went out in one of the papers uh, a, a couple of days ago that said we need to be aware that uh, that mental health services are going to be placed under significant pressure when this next wave hits. Excuse me. <laughs> Where the hell have you been 
for the last is that, is that going person to be being placed... the Leon, Elon Musk up in a plane yeah. somewhere going going to be placed under significant pressure and and it's like significant pressure was five years ago we're, we're under sort of catastrophic failure of the building you know we we've this is this is the bit if this were a marvel movie you know the nurses would be the ones holding up the crumbling structure of the entire healthcare system and it's about to crush them the difference being hulk and doctor strange aren't about to appear and make everything all right again the building is just going to collapse in a moment the entire edifice of, of healthcare is going to collapse and I think, you know, to get right back to the, the, the trueness of our, of our political reasons for starting this, it's intentionally been done like that. The, the entire system is being made to fail. The, the, the pandemic has only hastened the, yeah. the, the, the charge that was, you know, towards the, the kind of dissolution or... It's really hard for them now to shift the narrative that's that, that's come around the acute hospital services not being in the in the the, the hands of the the public sector. Mm-hmm. But it sort of feels to me, just my opinion, that what it's done. And again, I have to say, looking across, you know, Northern Ireland, where health and social care has been integrated for a lot longer than the rest of us, and there's a much much closer um, synergy between health and social care. Um, Looking out, looking, looking, stepping back from it and looking at, at what's happening in, in England, it almost feels like pushing all of that asset and resource into those acute areas because they are what true health is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's true ill health. Um, again, we've had episodes where we've spoken about things like diagnostic overshadowing and parity mm-hmm. of esteem, and you know, I'm pretty sure that anyone who was on a ventilator as a result of COVID um, uh, is gonna it, it hasn't come out of that with a level of trauma in their family. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and and so nothing is nothing sits in isolation. So the naivety of a comment like that <laughs> it just blows my mind because it, it's almost like. The longer we live with it, we can forget. It's like that delete function. There's not enough space in the memory, so we need to delete 2020. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and anything bad that happened in 2020, well, it's deleted. So, uh, yeah, 2021 wasn't so great, but at least we've still got some memory. <laughs> I've got yeah. some storage back. It's a bit like, it's, it's such a reductive approach to take it. And the other thing around journalism as well, Ed, I mean, it, the quality of journalism as well, mm-hmm. you know, when what you're reading is the same thing just pushed through that prism of either you're either this side or you're that side, and um, we we're going to make your minds up for you, um, and and at the end of the day, we're kind of stuck with this guy up here who who's running the country, and as you said earlier, when you know the the manifestation of Pinocchio itself. And no, I think but, Pinocchio had redeeming features. Well, he, he did, I'm wondering who the Geppetto is in this story, but Stanley. Uh, but the best of this, the best of it is that 
is totally brazen now. Mm-hmm. You know, if you flip back to the media, even 15, 20 years ago with, with Blair and the whole Iraq issue, mm-hmm. he wasn't let off the hook. No, the, the, and that plagued him. And, and even now, anytime somebody speaks about, you know, at least Blair got elected, the next comment online is, yeah, but what about Iraq? Yep. I, 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 nothing sticks. Nothing mm-hmm. sticks. We just go from issue to issue to issue. Now, if you're someone living with a, a, a long term mental health condition or a life limiting condition, mm-hmm. and you're looking at the way the NHS has been, you know, put up on a pedestal and clap for it, and then, oh, wait a minute, boo, because you've asked for a pay rise. How dare you have the audacity to do that? I mean, and let's talk about the, fa- you know, you know, the, not only are we victims as a profession of of uh, politicians, we're victims of our trade unions. Mm-hmm. You know, if ever there was a time for a call to arms to use our military metaphors to actually bring um, the the needs of the profession together and the needs of the caring sector together, regardless of of trade union lines, it was COVID. Never happened, never emerged. In fact, we're probably, again, my opinion, further apart now in the the, the major health unions and public Mm -hmm. sector unions than we've ever been. And for goodness sake, 2018, for nurses, 2018, a pay deal happened and it was catastrophically awful. And three years later, another one's come along and everybody's, significantly worse off because that was at 3% and inflation's at 5.1%. So everybody's had at least a 2%, 2.1% pay cut. How hard would it have been in the last three years for maybe the secretaries or assistants to the general secretaries of the trade unions to have said, should we have a meeting and agree a common position? Should we have a meeting and agree a common demand? But, but what we do is we mirror the party politics and the mm-hmm. partisan nature of, of, yeah. of that, that arena. And if you put care at the centre of that, well, if you put care at the centre of that, you wouldn't do that, would you? No. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> um, I mean, and it's not just, we're not just talking care for nurses, but no. if nurses are looked after, then outcomes for patients are going to be better. I mean, it isn't, and outcomes for society are going to be better because we're spending money on the qualities, Then you need to put the levers in place mm-hmm. to allow those inequalities, the, the 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 gap to be squeezed. Public health, mental health, and primary care are the areas where you are going to make the biggest difference to to to, to pull to to fill that gap to pull people because let's mm-hmm. face it you know in the four quartiles of deprivation if you're assuming the highest two areas you know of affluence if you're in the third quartile right and you're just above or below the breadline that's not a bed of roses Ed no. <laughs> <Do you know? laughs> and understatement of the episode goes to bing! you know do you know, but this is my point, but, but, but they talk about deprivation, deprivation index, and they talk about um, people, you know, we've, you know, this government, I heard that said the other day with Sunak, he said, you know, that, that even despite, um, you know, inflation going up under Tory government, they've pulled more people uh, above, the, above the, the, the line of poverty. And it's like, holy, what? 
he, yeah, yeah, because so we've pulled you, and, and literally to do that, Ed, is like 14 quid. <laughs> yeah. To move those, you know, within a postcode area and spread them at a level of affluence of 40, it's like, what the actual, mm-hmm. you know, and this, that's true inequality, you know, where someone in one postcode down the road is, you know, house prices are worth that, and because of that, investment in schools is worth that. And because of that, outcomes for children are that. And because of that, council tax is this. Mm-hmm. You know, th- th- that's and a because of that, thing. And that's because a controlled of, thing. Yeah. And because that's of that, there's a library there, which is oh, warm and well Oh, there's a swimming pool. Yeah, or a leisure centre or a park that's yeah. safe to walk around. And, and, and maybe a bit more community policing. Yeah. And and all of the things which make people feel safe in their communities. Some shops that you that aren't shuttered through the day. And and this stuff's not difficult, Ed. If no. you have a will and a want. And and that's the rub though. <laughs> it's if you have a will, if you cared about these things. I don't say I don't mean you, you, obviously. But you know, you said I don't care. Do you know what, Stuart? I've I've just had it. It's been two years, and I've finally cracked. This is all your fault. Uh, do you know? What I'm on is. to you. It probably is. That'll be the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Yeah, I think I suppose. Um, do you know what? I'm I'm glad you've just finally admitted it. I've I, just I, been I, carrying I, this burden around. Uh, I've been trying to be friends with you and make it look like we've got this rapport, but honestly, I'm just so tired of it. But yeah, if 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 you had a will to do something about it, if these things bothered you, they're not difficult fixes. Yeah. It's it's like change change the topic completely, right? But if you looked at something like, and this is this is something I'm a little bit of a nerd about, right? If you looked at sanitation, and when I talk about sanitation, I'm talking about having clean water and a toilet that doesn't have cholera in it, right? If you were to provide the cost, do you know what the cost of providing clean water to the entire planet is? Twelve. Elon Musk's own personal fortune, probably. It's, it's about his. It's about his annual interest. It's twelve billion quid would provide clean water to every single person on the face of the earth, right? That's that's less than the London Olympics cost, right? With a net benefit to the global economy of somewhere in the region of 400 billion pounds. That is not a big ass. 200 countries in the world could chip in, you know, could could chip in whatever eighty billion, eighty million pounds well, because each. Because we know where the, the we know where the highest areas of deprivation of, of lack mm-hmm. of clean water up. So it's easy, yeah. you know, if you've got the will to engineer the infrastructure. Yeah, you put the infrastructure in. It's not expe- it, You know, it's not expensive to do. It's not difficult to do. But flip this into flip this into the narrative of of. Um, so I, I my experience growing up in inner city Glasgow. <clears throat> I grown up in the Gorbals in the, the the you know born in the, the mid seventies and growing up there in the eighties and and what was the original real pandemic of of, of heroin use mm-hmm. IV drug misuse 
and watching the local shops and the shopping arcade go from being a really vibrant place and, and watching the butchers close and the bakers close and then the original Iceland freezeway moves in mm-hmm. and um, Presto goes and I know I'm showing my age but there is a point to this when you go to areas and there are more bookies yeah. and more off sales and more pawnbrokers than there are actual shops selling affordable food. Mm-hmm. There's a will there. There's a will. There's something's happening within the economy to feed that need that politicians of every elected house are not stopping. Mm-hmm. And and gambling and the access to gambling and the accrued debt associated and the impact of gambling and already impoverished communities it's despicable oh. and and whilst measures are taken to to quell you know you know it, it's that you know please gamble responsibly i mean because please drink responsibly works well as well doesn't it yeah <laughs> when, when you, it's you great because as soon as they service, came out with that nobody nobody uh drank well, to access you can't access a service and you can't get a job and there's no public transport which is reasonably cost effective enough to make it actually worth your while i mean we all know the benefits um revisions that have been brought in through the tories that actually benefit poverty doesn't you know people go and work and then they're actually worse off mm-hmm. so when you're caught in that dichotomy of you know i'm in you know lack of good social housing because there's none of that either these were all choices that were made by people not, mm-hmm. not the people living in it, but the people in charge. So these health yeah. inequalities, the, and, and I think that's the thing, and, I, and this is so, again, Stuart, the second most obvious statement of the night, these health inequalities weren't created by citizens. No. They were, they no, were no, created no. by politicians. They weren't created by nurses. They weren't created by doctors. They weren't created by teachers. They weren't created by social workers. <laughs> they certainly weren't created by the people in the communities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, where will we Yeah, live? because oh. there there is no community in the world that went, do you know what? I hate having a local butcher, a local fishmonger, and a local greengrocer here. Do you know what I want? I want two bookies, a freaking charity shop, and an off-license. And a chicken shop, a fried chicken yeah. shop. But, and, and 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 this is the thing about aspiration, and, and it sounds like navel gazing from our part, but when I look, I, I reflect back on, you know, 1980s Glasgow and, and uh, where Glasgow was as a city trying to find itself again is no different to where cities like Manchester, Birmingham, Liverpool mm-hmm. have been. You know, these industrialised cities which, you know, blossomed out of, of industrialization and, you know, obviously all the, the, the negative narrative that came with that as well around colonialism. But again, working people, they, they didn't, they didn't colonise places. <laughs> just, yeah. you know, nobody, I mean, nobody they might have been sent up. there, but... Nobody woke up in, in, in what is now Glasgow in 1832 and I think I'll go and colonise Western Africa. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, an alternate reality comic strip where just we we Jimmy wakes up one time in his tenement in, in, in Ibrox and just goes, I've got an idea. I've, I've had it with this place. I'm a way to colonise Madagascar. Is anybody fancy coming? 
<laughs> There's got to be a boat somewhere. So, and, but, but it's this, it's this issue of um, you've heard it before. I've heard it. I've heard it on many occasions. At Disney Man, I mean, you can build my sisters, but you're still putting the same people in them. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> yeah, you know, you, uh, you might be able to change the certain. You might be able to change the, you know, the housing, or you might be able to change. Um, the infrastructure, but actually the people are still the same. And it's like, no, hold on, just just stop for a second and think about what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. You need, you need, you know, have faith in people, invest in people, give people opportunity. Um, and I think that's yeah. that that's that's where these in, these inequalities, you know, at the more and I've again, you know, you and I have been through that paper so many times, and we read these these texts, these messages that come off the, the these narratives that come from whether it's the Sainsbury Centre for Mental Health or it's the King's Fund or it, it's, you know, Royal Lilies. And you look at it and you read it and you think, the answers, they keep talking about co-produced, the answers are in the community. I think the answers are in the community if you listen to people, but you need to give them the resources. <laughs> and sometimes you need to actually listen to them <laughs> yeah. and not say you're listening to them. It's, it's things like surveys that go out you know, and a survey will go out with, with 20 questions on it to find out what the community thinks. Who wrote the questions? You wrote the questions yourself, didn't you? The community didn't write the questions. You wrote questions to find out what people think. But by doing that, you set limits and terms on what they're allowed to tell you. It's, it's like, um, it's like, but it's not like, but it is like. Yeah. You know, remember, remember the 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 sea explorer boat that was going to the Antarctic on that expedition and like, the anniversary of Scott, and they yeah. put out like, like people can name it and Boaty McBoatface one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what Boaty McBoatface taught people like that was don't ask people shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. You don't want the answer. Right, because because if, if people in communities which need infrastructure and investment go back and say we'd quite like a library, <laughs> like, uh, for, we we were thinking maybe an online resilience workshop. See, see, the, the problem is we sold the library off, we bulldozed. It. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> that's a Paddy Power now. There's <laughs> a Paddy Powers and a Greg's. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. Hmm. Because everybody still thinks that libraries are just about books, right? I, I, you know, and and I think that you know if if we can do um, one thing other than keep ourselves off the streets for an hour and talk rubbish, <laughs> <laughs> um, then I think it is about maybe taking some of those plans that you had for episodes and uh, turning them into some chat, maybe getting some guests on. Oh yeah, definitely. Do you know what? I've got my stuff to deal with. You take care of that bit. All right, I'll, f- I'll find some guests. I'm <laughs> going to get I'll... wee Jimmy from a tenement in Ibrooks who wants to populate <laughs> Madagascar. Tell us about your experience of uh, colonising Madagascar. Hey, it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> Refer to me as King, please. <laughs> yeah. King Jimmy of Ibrooks. Um, yes. Oh, and on too. that ridiculous note, thank you for listening to this episode of RMN Behaving Badly. It's been far too long since we did this. You can find us on Twitter at RMNBB Podcast. Stuart is at Stuart McKenzie, and I'm at Ed Freshwater. We're on Facebook and Instagram too. Just search for RMN Behaving Badly. Our website is at rmnbehavingbadly.co.uk, where you'll find our blog, show notes, links, and all of our previous episodes, 
Oh. And merchandise. You can get yourself a t-shirt or a mug or a bag with some funny stuff on There's it. There's all my Christmas shopping done there. I absolutely. <laughs> I'll be honest, it's been an awful few months since our last episode. And we both wanted to offer our sincere thanks to every listener for your patience and your support through that. The support of our patrons has been amazing. It's almost like you're a bunch of compassionate and empathetic nurses. In particular, we want to thank Shelley, Tom, Alicia, Cecilia, Becky, Lauren, Jenny, Dave, Sally, Sam, Ali, Katie, Paula, Nat, Phil, and Big Billy. You folks are our absolute backbone. Thank you. If you'd like to join them, head to patreon.com forward slash RMN behaving badly and sign up to keep this silly podcast free from adverts. And while we're dishing out gratitude and thanks, just to say that there are a few wee jobby heeds and bad circumstances that have in the last few months made our lives difficult. This is just a defiant observation that we're not going to be stopped. Get it up, you. Music is by the Barstool Astronaut. You can find his work at barstoolastronaut.com and on Spotify, where if you listen to a track of his about 8 million times, he'll get somewhere around a third of a penny. Isn't capitalism wonderful? We're going to return in the new year with another episode talking about politics, mental health, the state of nursing, and the quality of whiskey. Yes, back to our usual old ways of misanthropy and invective. In the meantime, stay well, stay safe, Speak to you soon.